Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Amos 2, that is the prophet Amos, Amos chapter 2. This is Saul Weiner, the host for your podcast. In the last chapter, we learned of the sins of the nations that surrounded Israel and what doomed them, which was the fact that their societies had become corrupt to the point where there was um, no more hope. God gave them a chance and another chance and another chance. And by the time they reached the point of, of four times around, it was so ingrained in their society that there was no longer any hope for improvement. And therefore, God condemned them to destruction. And the issues were issues of deepened immorality. Um, so we learned of, of, of people who, who not just beat an enemy in war, but humiliated them in war. We learned of enemies that, uh, um, that you know, not just uh, conquered an enemy, but sent their enemy into exile in such a way and that they were enslaved and never able to return again. Uh, we learned about how uh, the, the, uh, against the people of Tyre who uh, didn't remember, did not keep the agreements and treaties that they had made in previous earlier times, and therefore, um, and, and it's exacerbating their sin of, of rebellion later on. These were the issues that we learned of before. I want to point out that I didn't um, spend any time uh, discussing the details of exactly which historical event Amos was referring to when he pointed his fingers at those other nations. And that was deliberate because in, in cases where there is no, I don't believe there's anything specific to be gained by, by trying to figure out which exact prophecy, whether it was in the future or in the past, was it talking about something that happened or something that will happen? A lot of the commentaries spend much time trying to figure out exactly what event he's discussing. I'm really focusing much more on the message. So exactly when it happened historically is a lot less important to me in this podcast. In today's chapter, we're going to continue on this vein as he points his finger at another nation. Ko Amar Adonai, this is verse 1, so says God, on the three sins of Moab, the people of Moab, I will forgive, I could forgive, but I cannot forgive on the fourth. And which is that? This is kind of a horrific idea. Apparently there was a war between Moab and the people of Edom. And when the Moabites conquered the king of Edom, they took his body, burned them, and ground his ashes into into uh, Sid, which is something that is used as building materials, and they built his body into the uh, walls or of their, their buildings. It's just such a disrespect, way beyond what's necessary in conquering someone in war. It's one thing to kill your enemies, but at least respect their dead. This how, in other words, their, their lack of respect for others extended to such depth. This God says, I cannot forgive in very similar language to the other ones, I will send a flame to Moab, and the fortresses of Kriot will be, which is a place in Moab, will be destroyed. And Moab will die, will, will end in, in Sha'on, which is, um, I, the best translation I've seen is tumult, in a loud um, tumultuous destruction 
Betura with noise and horns, Bekol Shofar, and the sound of the blowing of the horns of the ram. And I will cut off the judges and the leaders from within the nation of Moab. The Cholsara and all of her leaders, Ehrog, I will slaughter Emo together with the leaders, Amar, the Nisosia's God. Now Amos turns his attention a little bit closer to home. And he turns his attention towards the people of Judah, the southern kingdom. Ko Amar Adonai, so says God, on three sins of Yehuda, I can forgive Ashivanu, but on the fourth, I cannot forgive, and they will have to suffer for it. Now here he's a little bit more exacting. God expects more from his people, from his nation of Judah. So therefore, what God asks from them is because they made disgusting the laws of God. It's not just that they didn't keep God's laws that he had given them, but they found them disgusting. They didn't like them. They didn't enjoy them. In fact, they found them to be uh, unpalatable. And they did not keep his rules. And their false leaders fooled them and tricked them and led them astray, led them on down the wrong path. Kizvehem is their liars. So again, it's the idea of lying, deceit, fooling others, fooling God, or thinking you can fool God by doing mitzvot, by doing God's commandments, but doing them in a way that they're a burden, that they're disgusting. Those lying leaders whom their fathers followed instead of following the true prophets. For that, I will send a flame in Judah, and the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. Without having to go too much into detail, we do know, of course, of the destruction of Judah that was to come at the end of the first temple period at the hands of the Babylonians. Now he turns his attention to the northern kingdom, and this is verse 6. Komar Adonai so says, God al shlosha Israel. On three sins of Israel, which is typically refers to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel, but on the fourth I will not forgive them. And on this one, he's going to go uh, to town, so to speak. He's going to go into much more depth as to the depth of the corruption that had corrupted the people of Israel. And at some point, it seems that this is directed not just at the northern kingdom, but at all of the people of Israel, including the southern kingdom as well. Although I can't prove that, it just seems that way from the gist of things. And what is it? Because they sold away the righteous one for money. Some look at this as a reference to the selling of, of of, of the ten tribes of Joseph, but really this is just saying that that the tzaddik, the righteous one in court, gets sold away from money. When bribery, corruption is so in-depth in de that people just sell away righteousness, sell away what's right and what's good, just for the benefit of money. The avion, and they sell away the poor man, just so that they can enrich themselves simply for just a nice pair of shoes. This is the lack of respect that they have for others, that they treat the poor so terribly. Nothing has to do with what's right and wrong, but rather what's profitable. <laughs> These people are, are they, they trample on the, on, in, on the heads of the poor people and trample them into the ground. They, they desire to see them dead in the dust of the ground. Rather 
then help them out and lift the poor out of their poverty. Vimyatu, and they 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 cause the people that are humble, the Yanovim, Yatu, they cause them to have to turn to a different path. They, the humble can't come and relate in such a society. Humble people have to leave. They have to go somewhere else. Someone who's honest doesn't find a place in their society. That's how corrupt it is. <clears throat> and there's such a lack of shame that a man together with his father, they will both go together to, to sleep with a, uh, a young girl in an inappropriate way and the father and the son both know about it they're not even embarrassed of each other that's how deep deeply ingrained the immorality is leman chalel and shem kashi in such a way that they thereby profane and make and make um disgusting my name people look at the people of israel and see Ooh, those are the people of god and look how corrupt they are look how base they are and they lean and lie on clothing that they took from their debtors. They, they lend money with too much interest. They take advantage of others and then they take their clothing away and then they rest and make themselves comfortable in that clothing. And where do they do this? In front of all of their altars that they put to their false gods. They bask in the riches that they took away from other people unjustly. And they drink the wine that belongs to people that were, that were punished with fines that they didn't really deserve. In the houses of their gods. And I, God says, I have destroyed the Amorites in front of them. I have taken care of them. I have helped them. I established them. That their height is like the height of cedars. That's how strong the Amorites were, the ones that I destroyed. And they gave shade. They were so uh, wealthy and so rich and so powerful. The shade was like the shade of alonim, of oak trees. And for them, for the people of Israel, I destroyed their fruits from the top and the roots from the bottom and I took you out of the land of Egypt this is why I think he's talking to both Judah and Israel because all of this is a reference clearly to both I took you out of Egypt and I led you through the desert for 40 years in order to inherit this land that you're in and I, and, and I sent out the people that were there beforehand and I set you teachers, I taught you how to go the right path. And I made from your children, I, made, I gave you prophets. From your young men, I made them Nazirites, people that were holy, people that devoted their lives to God, that could have led you on the right path. Is this not true, people of Israel, says God? Is this not true? Can you deny that this is true? This uh, reminds me of many places we had in Isaiah, such an example in chapter 5, where God talked about the Shirat HaKerem, and God says, well, I, I built a vineyard, I took care of it, I, I pruned it, I planted it, I nourished it, I watered it, and then what did you do? You ruined it. Instead of, instead of growing grapes, you grew rotten fruit. It's very similar to what Amos is saying here. And what did you do after I took care of you so much and I conquered this land for you and I brought you here and I led you and I showed you how to live? What did you do? And you took those Nazirites who were supposed to stay away from wine. You gave them wine. 
And those prophets that were trying to teach you the right path, you commanded them and says, Stop teaching us, don't teach us, we're not interested. For this, God says, I will make it difficult beneath you, I'll make it so hard for you to move. In the same way that an overloaded wagon finds it difficult to move. That is too full of grain. You loaded it with too much and the wagon can't move. That's what life is going to be like for you. You're going to be so overloaded with issues and problems that you won't be able to move forward. And the light person, the light-footed person won't even be able to run. The people that are really strong won't have enough strength to fight. And a powerful, strong warrior won't even be able to save himself. The one who shoots bows will not be able to stand and defend himself. And the one who is light with his feet will not be able to escape. Even the horse and his, the rider of the horses will not be able to run and save himself. And the one who is the bravest of all the powerful men, he will run naked and humiliated by Yomahu on that day, says God. So Amos here, Amos here is criticizing the depth of the corruption that reached the people of Israel. How the rich take advantage of the poor, how righteousness and justices fell by the wayside, and all that mattered was profits and money and and um, and uh, and corruption and immorality. Um, thank you so much for listening to Amos chapter two with me. Looking forward to studying Amos chapter three as well.